Hey everyone, it's me, your host, Chisara Asimoga, and on today's Joywell Conversation, award-winning actor, playwright, and first-gen Nigerian-American, Ngozi Anyawo, joins me at the Joywell to spill some tea on her upcoming projects, the entertainment industry, and that first-gen life here in America. And of course, joy. This is a great episode for those who really want to be artists, whether it's writers, actors, playwrights, poets, what have you. So are you ready? Awesome. Let's enter the joy well for some conversation. My first question is, what is joy to you? Well, at the moment, you know, it's like the little things. It's like getting to meet up with friends Mm -hmm. at the moment and, you know, and catch up. Yeah. It's getting, you know, it's enjoying a good FaceTime date uh, with people. It's answering your parents' phone calls when they complain about how you don't answer their phone calls. <laughs> it's finding um, a good meal through Uber Eats and the Caviar app, you know, and uh, Caviar app. It's like Uber Eats, but more expensive. Oh, okay. Because um, I was like, yeah, Caviar, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, like more expensive food. <laughs> um, and just trying to get your joys wherever you can. So for me, it's, it's right now it's been eating. It's been like figuring out like where the best barbecue is in LA. It's figuring out, which I still don't have the answer to, but it's figuring out like where the best cookie is, where the best yes. is. Um, it's um, uh, delivering from Dave's Hot Chicken, which is mm-hmm. you know, really, really good. You, you're LA girl. Yes, LA. And I'm I about to tell you where the best cookies are, but go ahead. Oh, I don't, <laughs> you wanna, don't curse me like that. I brought a treadmill <laughs> in my apartment and I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rework all the joy I've been putting into my body. Um, yeah, and so for me, it's been really trying to find some joy, but also like a little bit of a wellness regime. Yeah. Just like working out, sitting quietly, lighting candles everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. when that doesn't work, just lie on my fucking carpet, look up at the yeah. ceiling and be okay with that, be, being okay with stillness, you know, um, which is not my forte, but I'm learning. I'm with you. It is so not my forte either. I, I started maybe now four months ago, uh, yoga practice. I used to do Bikram yoga, that really hot one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. back in the day and loved it. But, you know, yoga culture, I, I think it's going to start changing now just because mm. of all the anti-racist talk that we have in the in our society. Mm. But back then it was just, it was very, you had to look a certain way. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You had to be a certain way and not all bodies are shaped the same, even mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't a very, it wasn't a, a cool environment. It wasn't in a, a, a welcoming environment, but, mm-hmm. I started yin yoga and when you talk about stillness and settling yin is about it's like the opposite of the the yang yin and yang mm-hmm. it is about settling in and allowing the body to be in a pose don't force it into a pose but literally like just sit in it so some yeah. of the tough ones like downward uh, facing dog or like pigeon or whatnot you don't you support yourself in that and it has taught me so much about myself just like how how quickly I am to like get out of a situation that just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. It, of course it might not feel right at first, but you just kind of settle in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gradually for a long hold and deal with the emotions or the things that arise. So I, I get you when you talk about stillness. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, it's also not something that I'm great at. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just like, but like sometimes you just like this 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 time has been such a 
you know, exhausting and frustrating, but still like creatively fertile time, you know, as someone who yeah. writes for TV, if I want to be busy, I can be really busy as a writer. Yes. Um, I'm not because I just don't have the, I don't have the willpower at the moment to just drudge anything up, but you know, for, but I, I'm, I'm using this time to be like, to work on my no, to work on my ability to say no. Yeah. Uh, which, which I'm usually quite good at, but I, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just working that fucking no muscle like CrossFit at the moment. Right. You're mastering the muscle. Yeah. And mastering the art of, yes. I don't want to do that. Or mastering the art of, I'll get back to you later. Or mastering yeah. the art of, you're just not going to hear from, hear from me for a while. Cause I've just chosen that path. And yeah. I think um, we're all just going to sort of have to get used to, you know, um, no one owes you their time, you know? And um, preach. in this time where we're demanding a lot of things uh, that are deserved, especially the Black American community that's demanding a lot of things that they are deserved, you know, um, I can't wait for them to get those things. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and as they're not backing the fuck down, that's like my favorite part of the, the moment. Um, you know, uh, a lot of things are gonna be coming. A lot of things are gonna be coming to a head. So I'm just sort of like taking this time to be quiet and mm -hmm. listen <laughs> to what is needed. Oh. Listen to how I can help, how I can contribute. Right. Uh, um, and listen to the fact that maybe I can't contribute at the moment. Maybe like I don't have anything to offer this moment and that's okay. And, right. I'll, and I'll just pay attention. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. I'm really, I'm so glad you said this and that we're having this conversation because one of the one of the things I, I, I won't say I'm struggling with, but I can feel it in the atmosphere is this need for productivity. Mm -hmm. It feels like everybody is, not everybody, but there's this sense of like, okay, you have to do, 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 create, create, create. You have to be on your grind, on your grind and not recognizing. I mean, and even I have fallen into that trap, not recognizing right. we are in the midst of a pandemic right. that from a scientific perspective, if history tells us anything, will be with us for at least another year or two. Yeah. And what, why are we trying to force ourselves to be so productive in the midst of trauma? Is it because, and I, I literally thought about this today, I was like, is it because we as Black people are so used to trauma in our experience as it relates to whiteness and white supremacy and whatnot, that we just kind of keep going or feel the need to keep trying to prove or is it something else? And, and I haven't thought that thought through. I mean, I think it's both, right? I think the American mentality is to just work, 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 work yourself to death. Yeah. yeah. Quite simply. To death. I, what's interesting for us as children of Africans, you mm -hmm. know, and, and children of Africans, and I don't know, I feel like our parents are around at the same age or yeah. came at the same time, right? Like yeah. Early 60s, late 60s. Uh -huh. and, and I feel like, you know, children of like immigrants, especially immigrants who came from war, what have you, it was like nothing is more traumatizing than the, the, what they went through. Exactly. And they were able to come here and make lives for themselves. And so it also feels weird to struggle and or complain about anything when you know what your parents have been through, you know? Right. Um, right. It, it feels weird to, to complain about racism when they literally were like, had to you know their war looked different you know what i mean yeah and, and and us who were who were kind of born into a kind of privilege right like us as first generations yeah sort of more than african americans or just descendants of, of uh, black people with descendants of slaves mm -hmm. were born into a kind of privilege right we don't yes. have though we experience racism we don't right. have the trauma of that psychological trauma right? yeah that 
right. you know, that's not something that we sort of have, especially, right. I, I, and I was also raised around, you know, very white adjacent, you know, mm-hmm. I was raised around black Americans or a lot of yes. black people. So that's its own sort of bag of worms and bag of privilege that I sort of also come with and judgment that it, that comes with stuff. Yep. And so, you know, Absolutely. I think, I think we're, we're just, the immigrant mentality is just to work. Mm-hmm. Like bad things will happen regardless. Regardless. But, but you can work through it as opposed to, yeah. as opposed to hold on, stopping for why those bad things happening, stopping yeah. for yeah. how can we, stop making those bad things happen. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, like that's not like the, the stopping to ask. Right. To go, well, it's a process. Why are we used to these things? You know, it feels like a sort of a new generational turn. And so, yeah, I think, I think, I think, you know, yes to all those answers. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. As black people, you know, we definitely have been taught to move through struggle because it's always a struggle. Because it's always a struggle, my dear. It <laughs> you always know? is. Always. And, right. uh, and that's just what you do and yeah. how dare you complain about it. And, and if you, d- you complain about it, you're weak or like, yeah, get over it or be grateful or whatever that shit is. And so, right. you know, and so, but now it's kind of like, no, like I, I want my things back and I'm not going to be grateful. No. And I'm not going to be grateful. Thank I'm not going to be grateful. I'm going to, I work with my ass off for it. And um, the, my descendants work their ass off for it. And, yep. that. Yep. and so that's, that, that's the thing that's, we're sort of, that's what that's what we're incurring. And so I, I, w- I was going to ask you this. So in the midst of our conversation, Ngozi turned the tables on me. I'm used to interviewing and she decided she was going to ask the questions. And while she was asking the questions, I thought to myself, wow, this conversation is one that plays itself out on and offline every day. And maybe it's worth having more of these conversations, no matter how challenging and complicated they might be. Like, yeah. Not- no, so, no, no. Like, as an African, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you feeling about this moment as someone who's both right? We're we're both black and we're both yeah. Africans, but right. we're not American, right? We're not descendants of slaves. And so, how do you feel about this time that feels really complicated? I think for us, you know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, how are you feeling about that? Um, you are right to call it complicated mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I have experienced, and yet I have not experienced. Mm-hmm. So I my, I have to check myself when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm talking, because sometimes what I say could equally be, not because I have a particular hate or or um, issue with any group, but mm-hmm. because I don't have the experience. And sometimes I feel like I'm an imposter. Yes, okay, I'm black in America, I get it, but mm-hmm. then I also didn't have all of these experiences. And so I have my friends who were born and raised here and have been here for generations, centuries, mm-hmm. they're conversations that I have with them that I, I can only, is it sympathize or empathize with, but I have not been in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And that feels weird because mm-hmm. we still get the same targeted racism. Sure, sure, sure. We still experience the same thing, but I know that maybe there's this little bit of protection. Mm-hmm. I grew up in an environment, well, yes, white adjacent, but then also had a bunch of evil people around me. Mm-hmm. So like it, it wasn't it wasn't hard for me to conceive certain things, mm-hmm. whereas I know that the experience here for many Black Americans is is not that, mm-hmm. or has not been that. Yeah. So, but what I don't want this to become, honestly, in this in this milieu, <laughs> in this place that we're in, is to be being, ooh, how do I say this politely? An us versus them. Mm-hmm. 
because remember that Beyonce just came out with Black is King, right? Mm -hmm. And which was supposed to be a playoff of The Lion King, but in yeah. real life. And you know, I have I have my friends who are all first gen from across the motherland, right? Yeah. And we've seen it. And then we also have our, our friends who aren't from the motherland who have seen it. And you mm -hmm. see the praise. Mm -hmm. But then we also are like, hmm. yeah. Well, we need the African prince of the mm -hmm. lion and the tie, you know, like you hear that um, conversation. Or what happened to East Africa? Why didn't that come into the picture? Mm -hmm. You know, or there's even my sentiment, which is like, why is there only, and this is no, um, this is no shade on Beyonce or anybody else, but I've always wondered why the Orishas and the, the indigenous religions of the Yoruba people made it over, but that of the Igbos or the more Eastern tribal groups in Nigeria did not. And I'm not sure maybe it did, and, I, and it's in the Gullah Islands off of South Carolina, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's this heavy emphasis on certain things and not on other things when it comes to, to uh, who we are. So, but I don't want it to be an us versus them. I want mm -hmm. us to celebrate. As in you don't want it to be Africans versus Black Americans. Yes, Africans yeah. versus Black Americans, or yeah. even first gen Africans versus right. Black Americans, because we get to, we see both worlds. Hell, we see three worlds, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, which is an advantage, but it also creates a disadvantage when it comes to identity, when it comes yeah. to how you navigate the world and how people see you. Yeah. I know. Hell, we can talk about just complexion, right? Yeah, sure, like, sure. Because it's a fair skin. Me. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what that means, what sort of what sort of privilege when something comes outside of my mouth, like how are people perceiving it? I guarantee you it's not the way I'm thinking. Because right. I'm, yeah, I'm a Niger girl. I'm Igbo. I, yes, I was born and raised in the United States of America, but so what? Yeah. But that's not what everybody's seen. And so it allows me to say maybe certain things or get away with certain things. Mm -hmm. that other folks don't yeah yeah anyway long-winded way of saying it's complicated <laughs> gonna be breaking down complications it feels like right? time. which is good though I'm, I'm i'm into the complications i'm into the nuance of it all i'm into the mm. context i'm into us delving into it and not just making snap decisions based on what we feel but actually diving down into you know into the complications of it all so i'm i'm down for that yeah yeah, I I mean I completely agree with you. Yeah, I feel like it's get real, it's, yeah, I just feel like as we move through, it's gonna get real complicated. But I also feel like it's gonna create room for nuance. Hopefully, hopefully people are creating room for nuance conversation and to really yes. get everyone's sort of uh, context. Yes. Yeah. Whoo! I don't know about y'all, but that was heavy. And listening to it now, two things come to mind. Privilege is real. And secondly, as ubiquitous as racism is, we all experience and talk about it differently. I may not be able to speak for you or your community, nor you speak for mine, but we can speak up for each other. I'm reminded of this quote, it says a rising tide lifts all boats. And I'd add, those on board toss out life belts and life jackets to those in the water to save them too. This would probably require an entire season dedicated just to the intra-diasporic dynamics of the African peoples. I get it. But I think it's important. I think it's important we talk about colorism, we talk about identity, we talk about how we build a more equitable society. And with that, let's get back to the conversation. 
You know, when you wrote Homecoming Queen, and I, I, I did a little bit of research as to how that came about. Mm. And, you know, we were talking about identity just a mm -hmm. second ago. It is one of the best plays I've read in a long time mm -hmm. to me. And it's simply because I saw myself in it. I saw a woman who can live in two spaces and still own herself and how she interacts with her family and with her parents, especially in, in considering everything that she's going through in the moment that she arrives in Nigeria. And I want to, I want to ask you about that sort of being connected to your peoples and then being disconnected from mm -hmm. your peoples mm -hmm. and how that informs your writing practice. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I feel like you go through the usual things of being raised here in America, which mm -hmm. is that you want to be like everybody else, right? Yeah. So like, yes. you don't want, you know, my, my mom used to, and my grandmother used to like thread my hair, right? Oh, I, you know, I was just talking about right, that. Right, you know, I remember yeah. like wanting to wear hats but you couldn't wear hats in elementary school and like kids used to call me fucking soccer ball head and like, <laughs> you know, and I used to like get on the bus and just de-thread it just as fast as I could. Are you serious? Oh my God. I got my hands deep. My grandma took so much time to thread my hair and I remember coming home yeah. and I was just like, and then it was just wild. And um, I got my ass beat for doing that. But, but yeah. You go through the steps of like wanting to be like everybody else and then you become yes. an artist and then you realize that you're actually more nigerian than you let on oh girl you know? talk about and it that might be because of other people's perception of like you're different you're one of those different black people mm -hmm. like, i don't even know what that means yes uh, you know and they're like where are you from london and right i'm offended i don't i don't even feel like that's a compliment I feel like <laughs> of me and I'm like no my parents are from Africa oh that's why oh that's, that's it. yeah I don't know what that is but but right. but you know you and then you go to school and then it's like you're correct people want to say your name and 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 then I, when I started writing like really writing yeah and the artist that I was coming across that I was actually really beginning to gel with when I got out of undergrad and moved to New York you know I was getting into the fact that I, you know, I, I, you know, I think like one of the first people I'd met was like Uzo Aduba. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she had this other girl, Chinaza, Chinasa. Uh -huh. and, Chinasa, yeah. Yeah. And oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was this, and she, and it was like, she was like this proud, like Nigerian American girl. It was yeah. like super proud. And like, mm -hmm. then there's this other girl, Naoma. And like, and I, and it was like this, and we weren't all clip, but like, they were just like, and then this other girl, Adapara. Uh -huh. um, Oduye and you know yeah. like all early days of us being in New York like 2007 six you know wow. and I was just meeting all these other first gen Nigerian American like actresses who were like yes. doing this right yeah. and, like I just was like huh that's something I don't know what that is if it's a trend or whatever but I guess it makes yeah. sense right because if our, our parents moved here none of them are really going to artists it, it only makes sense that some of their kids would would veer off into this right. direction and and I just kind of I don't know there was a we all sort of like were different but had similar experiences right mm -hmm. our parents were very different some of our parents were yeah. definitely much more um supportive about what we were doing yes. others yeah. some of us had a relationship with our parents some of us some of us didn't some of our parents had passed you know some of them yeah. had it and but the, but we there was a similarity between a lot of us even though we were all raised in different cities and what have you and I found that just really fascinating and so like yeah. the first thing I did was you know with these other women was make these this group 
uh, called mm-hmm. First Generation Nigerian Project. Oh yes, and that was and we had and 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 so I had done that. And that was like with like Mpani So um, had done an incarnation. Ivan Oji was wow. the at the time had heard about these girls who were basically doing this like we were just writing skits and monologues and it was labor of love, no money. Um, and um, we were just making this project about being first gen. And um, and that was sort of where it was like, oh, there's like a, there's like a, there, that it is a thing. Yes. Like it is an experience to be yeah. witnessed. And we, I remember we had done it for a really beautifully sort of just New York crowd. And it was, you know, Black Americans and Caribbean Americans and Nigerians yes. and, and yes. my family had seen it. And it was kind of like we were on to something, you know what I mean? Like mm. recognizing themselves, you know, people were even like my friend who at the time was like, who's, who's Guyanese, you know what I mean? He's like Brooklyn yeah. Guyanese or like other yeah. Nigerian guys, like where are the men at? I'm like, you can make it. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like people were recognizing themselves in that, you yeah. know, and yeah. And I was getting closer to something. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but it was, it felt like I was able to, for the first time, articulate my experience. Cause I wasn't like, and I'm also not, I'm not bilingual. And I, I think that's right. also a lot of the disconnect for me. Um, um, like if I could speak Igbo, I probably wouldn't feel as disconnected. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it was yeah. like, you're Nigerian. Your parents want to impart to you how Nigerian you are. But I, I, I kind of rebelled about, my parents definitely tried to teach me, but you know, I was trying to be like everybody else. So I, I definitely rebelled about learning the language. So I definitely didn't Wait, they tried to teach you? <laughs> I remember my dad used to try and bribe me. He used to like try and bribe me with quarters to like learn words. That's better than mine. Uh, <laughs> I insisted. There was a point in time where I was like, you're not speaking to me in English. Oh, wow. Speaking to you're me in Igbo. They refused. Good Igbo gal. My dad at a certain time just stopped speaking to me in English. Like now he does. Now he yeah. speaks to me in English. He's like, no, now you want to be Nigerian now. <laughs> so let's test you. Let's test out. Let's, let's test your stuff. I'm like, how'd you write your I, knowledge? And I'd be like, oh, I, I called a cousin. And I then wrote them some money for telling you some translations. Um, which I, I actually did do. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I mean, so that's the thing as far as like the, the connection and the disconnections. Like that's just my experience, you know? Yeah. And that's just what it is. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not like. I can claim that I'm so this or I'm so that. It's just yeah. like my, my many identities. It's like being a black woman in America. Yep. You know, being very Nigerian. Yep. You know, the, the very Nigerian that I know to be, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and being an artist. Those are like my sort of like primary identities. And probably artist is at the forefront of all those identities. All of that. Yes. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then once I recognized that those were those, those, those connections how close I am and how far I am to it is a part of my identity, right? Like I am, my identity is that I'm a non-bilingual Nigerian American. Right. You know what I mean? Just like some of the identity is that they like, they stand for Nigeria all day. They mostly speak in broken English. They can break into, yeah. they can break into Igbo. Some, you know, I have a cousin who's Igbo, but you know, who's raised in Lagos and he's fluent in Yoruba as well. You know? Yeah. He's, he's more fluent in Yoruba than he is in Igbo. In Igbo. Imagine. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, I'm interested in, in, in breaking down the nuances of that as well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my next play is like, has three different, you know, Nigerian women in different places of their Nigerian-ness, you know? And so, and so, yeah, I just feel like I'm, 
part of me is studying that for work, you know, and yeah. the other part of me is looking at this other part of me that is a black woman here. Yeah. In America here. and here, you know what I mean? Um, yes. And what that means here. You know, what's interesting, um, New York was the first time where I had experienced such a strong community of black artists. Mm. It's yeah. been a beautiful thing to me. And I, I, and especially now, community is so important. So you decided to be in the arts in the eighth grade, or maybe it was earlier. I read somewhere that it was in the eighth grade. I'm sure it was already in you from the time I mean, you it were- was definitely, It was definitely, there was a spark there. Mm -hmm. And then I would say I, it, I got serious once I actually doubled down and went to school for it. Uh, okay. You know, it was like- yeah seeing someone in high school when I was in middle school in high school like the loud ensemble girl and I was like I can do that I'll be that and then going to <laughs> college eventually and being like oh it's so much more than just being the loud person right um, right um it's you know there was like a click there was a click sometime at the end of first year I had this mm. teacher, Rich Keitel who was like made us he made us read the New York Times every weekend yeah. You know, um, he gave you the opportunity to do a monologue once a week, a new monologue. To, you know what I mean? Like he really was about being, wow. nerd. Isn't that, sec that was second year of undergrad. And he really was sort of instilled the being a nerd about the whole thing. And that sort of always stuck wow. with me. Wow. So, and, and as someone who was not very great academically, like I think mm -hmm. I was one of like, you know, I was a bright or whatever, but yeah. I just was not very motivated to do well. You know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't find an interest, you know, even, even finding college to go to school, you know, a college came to me and that's why I went to college. Like I, you know, I, I, that's I was applying for colleges in like May or April. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, yeah. I, everyone's like, how come we didn't go to like an HBCU? I'm thinking like, I didn't get into Howard. <laughs> I was like applying in May and June. And they were like, uh, yeah, we don't have any slots with that. And so I wasn't, oh. I wasn't really privy to like even the college journey or like, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of guidance as far as, or mentorship yeah. as far as going to school for theater or even going to school really I just didn't really have a lot of guidance because I my grades were pretty average and I and I liked thing I liked theater right. but I hadn't fully committed to the idea it was more kind of why I ended up mm. so I ended up at Point Park I ended up there because of the thespian conference and because they you know they were they were doing auditions in like April or so even though most colleges yeah. what you put your mm -hmm. application in like February right I was gonna say yeah. January February yeah. and so yeah so I, I just kind of ended up there by happenstance and so it wasn't until I was there that I was like oh am I serious mm. um and then by the time I got out I was pretty serious I had like kind of just found my footing and then you're kind of spit out into the world like where am I supposed to go yeah and then it was about five <laughs> six years in, in New York butting around um right and and auditioning and doing some shows here and there and doing a lot of nothing here and there and, and writing on my own right. and creating and performing on my own. Uh, and then mm -hmm. I ended up, ended up going to grad school. Because um, I was doing mostly musical theater or, or trying to do mostly musical theater. And then I kind of discovered right. more plays and plays I wanted to do. And, yeah. and it, it felt really competitive. And it felt like all the people who mm -hmm. were doing those plays went to really competitive programs. So that was like, I guess. Right. I'll try and get into a competitive program. So I auditioned for a couple years in a row until I got into one. Um, yeah. And I ended up at UCSD. And then I, and I wrote Good Grief in, at UCSD. So I, I wrote that. Wow. Yeah, so I wrote my first full-length play. I'd written before then. We had done First Gen, a, a couple, like, you know, in the middle of that. Um, and then, yeah, I had written 
Good Grief sort of at the top of my like third year and did a reading of Oh my God, when were you at UCSD? I was there from 2010 to 2013. Okay, I was gonna, because that's my sister's alma mater. Oh, well. You know, it was really refreshing to hear Ngozi talk about her journey. Those of you with immigrant parents might really understand this, but I'm sure many of us can relate to not having our dreams supported. So I asked her, what would she tell someone starting out now who might not feel they have the support? I mean, they're also living in a very different time than I'm. Yeah. You can do anything now. Yeah. I mean, that's enough, right? Like, anti African about it, but you don't even have to go to school anymore. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can just make something. You can just. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can hustle and just yeah. make something and write shit on your own exactly. and just make it happen and put, make it digitally and, and create, um, yeah. you know, and you can just make it and create it and yes. and do it. You can always do it. I, that's the sort of the thing. And, and just, you know, worry about doing it well, you know, and, you know, and you have to keep doing it. That's the thing, right? It's not about, I want to do it and then get famous and then get all these awards. And like, sure, like, I wish everyone... Emmys and all those things and blah, blah, blah. Right. But the more you do this, the right. more you realize how those things are sort of like a byproduct of the hard work and the great work you've had doing, yes. right? And then you could go yeah. your whole career and not get those fancy things. And it doesn't mean that you didn't do the thing. It doesn't mean that your work exactly. is not worthy. I think always reevaluate your dream, you mm-hmm. know? Because I definitely, writing for me was one of my first things that I did, but I was discouraged very early when I didn't get into certain things, when I didn't get into certain like right. high school summer programs where I, I, I was getting yes. a lot of poetry awards and things like that. And then, you know, the, yeah. the way that some of these residencies are set up for high schools, they're a lot more academic because I'm, I wasn't much of an academic person. I couldn't get into mm-hmm. those governor schools and things like that. Yeah. And not to let that discourage you to keep going doing it yes. even if you don't get into the and even if you don't get into the fancy school right for acting or what have you it doesn't mean that you should not still pursue that right it just means like right. obviously because of access right. it's going to be a pain in the butt but you know i will say the thing about this time right now it's anybody's game it's anybody's game and so make things there are people that you know there are people that have a camera there's and even if you learn how to use a camera like learn learn Thank those you. things everything is I mean, the Google machine was not the Google machine when I was growing up, right? No, so talk about it. Talk about you have, it. <laughs> people think you have, you do have access to everything. Everything. Even if you just have an iPhone, everything. trust me, you have an access to everything and you have more than you think, I should say. That's, so yeah, that's what I really say. So I say I, you have more access than you think. You have more than you think. Um, you can do anything. So true. Um, we're talking about the importance of telling our stories. The industry, even if it is lights out right now and not a lot of production is happening, how do you assess how the industry is handling its diversity issue right now in this period of time? You think it's sincere? Do you think there's actual changes being made? Is it a wait and see? I mean, I think that people are pushing, people are banging at the door. And people mm-hmm. are doing the work to bang the people who are doing the work to bang at the door so that more 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 yeah. opportunities being offered to people. Uh, I think it's working. Right. Um, I think we don't need I think people should not let up. And I don't think people are letting up. So I, I feel I see the movement that is working towards getting other voices in the door. 
So I see yeah. that. Or yeah. I feel like I'm experiencing yeah. that. Um, That's awesome. I also know that I am in a very privileged place. I am very well um, represented. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that is the case for those of my writer friends who are not as well represented, right? right? Mm -hmm. Who are not at CAA, right? So I think that's a question right, for, right. I, I'm knock on wood because I am well represented by Mosaic and CAA. I feel as though I, and I'm a newer writer. So though, so I've also, I want to be clear that I've been offered things that are like, or opportunities that have been presented to me that would not be presented, I think, to someone who is as new as I am, I think. Yeah, got it. If you want to be busy, busy, if you, you are a writer busy. and you, you know, whatever, I feel like, yeah. you know, I know people who are pitching, like, like uh, who are working on pitches every day. You know what I mean? Like they're really, you know, yeah. um, who really has, there's yeah. an opportunity out there if you want to create stuff because they are looking for content. They are looking right. for content and they're mm. looking for content for people who are not white. They are. Thank God. Um, <laughs> will other things get made? <laughs> I don't know because the, yeah. development right. and production. Right. Well, production, I don't know what's happening with productions, um, but development is its own monster. So, you know, that will be yeah. a whole thing, but I know yeah. that, you know, there's money out there to be had, so. That's actually good to hear from uh, from the perspective of like what the heck is going on in the industry that that there are these opportunities there um, at least for writers. There are. I think there is a big surge in opportunities, and I think there is a lot yeah. to to take advantage of. You know, yeah. there's a lot of resources now that at first some of those pipelines were kind of shady and were sort of mostly about yes. tokenism, but because using the word tokenism a lot more now, and we're letting people know that that is not good, that is not yes. helpful, that is not going to is that it's not going to create like job long right uh that people are going oh okay we have to really teach people something or oh okay we have to we have to really make the room with more than one black person oh we got it we get you know i've also been really spoiled because i've just been in development yeah. which means i sort of i'm in charge of mm -hmm. my process and i've also was in the americana which was an almost all black right. room so so and it was all woman of color room and so yes. i my experience has been rather, I, I know I've been spoiled as far as writers. Room. I'm still sort of awed by the fact that you had a, a writer's room that was of just women of color. Yeah. That's I mean, freaking awesome. Showrunner. And so Denai really wanted women who had the African experience with the black female experience. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so uh, it starts from the top down. And so, yes, it does. Yeah. You know, and so that's the part that I'm interested in seeing that I don't know Mm -hmm. uh, as the meetings I'm taking, it's yeah. not a lot of black female showrunners. Yeah, right. You right. Know, it's it's to, it's to partner with a lot of white people who want to try and write black things, but now they can't get away with writing black things, and so they need another black person to co to co write that pilot or to co create because yeah. it's no longer cute to do that shit. So, um, so which I find to be interesting. Yeah, uh, very right. Um, yeah, so I, I find that to be interesting that like, oh, they're not feeling like they can get away with shit like they used to be able to get away with shit. So I'm into that. Like Issa said, I'm rooting for all the black people. Now is the time for the lightning round. Mm -hmm. And the lightning round is just a bunch of questions that I'm going to ask in semi quasi rapid fire way. Mm -hmm. And you just give the first answer that comes to your mind. Nope. Right. Okay. Do you have a spiritual practice? Working out is my spiritual practice. How do you fill your joy well? I'm working on that. I'm not great at it. I'm not great mm -hmm. at it. I'm working on what gives me joy consistently 
um, because I am one of those worker bees uh, yeah. that I usually, and I am my work and I am my art. Um, and I'm also struggling with the fact that that's not a bad thing, at least for me at this moment. Yeah. But I'm not feeling hella motivated to make things and create yeah. things. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I haven't quite found, found that yet. Favorite playwright of all time? I don't have a favorite playwright of all time. Um, I'm fucking with Stacey Rose's work right now. I always love him funny so. Bofia, mm-hmm. sister soldier of mine. All good ones. Early Jose Rivera is my jam. Joe Turner's is still a play that I don't yeah. understand. It's mysterious and beautiful. And because I still don't understand it, it's still one of my favorite plays. Yeah, those are just a couple. First time you were in love. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Because <laughs> you have to go there. Yes. <laughs> God. My one long-term boyfriend, just the one that I've had. That was the first time I think I was like in love, love, like love, love me back, long-term right. relationship. Relationship, yeah. Yeah. I think I was like 23, lasted for about four and a half years. Favorite time of the year? Summer in New York. Summer concerts. Yes. You know, just like yes. part time with yes. the girlfriends, watching sexy men play basketball was for girl. Um, running on West Side Highway. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's usually my favorite. That's usually my favorite time of the year. Uh, last good book that you read? The Home Going, my favorite book. I read yeah. it again the other day, actually, just to be like, am I wow. hyping this book up too much? And then I read it again. And I was like, no, this is this shit. You're not bringing it up too much. Um, and then um, I'm telling the truth, but I'm lying by Bossy Igby. In the middle of that, um, which is intense read. It's a difficult read. Yeah. Um, Last question for you. Mm-hmm. If there was a play of your life, mm-hmm. what would the title be? And who would play you? Let's see, my life currently. Uh, I haven't had any sugar, so I'm a little like, um, That's a good title. <laughs> I haven't had any sugar. That's a good one. <laughs> I haven't had any sugar. Um, let me think. I think. Adepera Oduye. Uh-huh. Or probably Uzo. Let's be real. Probably Uzo. She'd be great. Yeah, yeah, Um, What would it be called? Yeah. Called, um, are you going to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. No, what are you not telling us about your eating habits? <laughs> it's not that deep. It's not that deep. Something like that. Something dismissive. Something dismissively positive. Like it's not that deep. Um, yeah, that's, that's. I love it. That's where. I love it. <laughs> so that's where our conversation ended, and I am all in my feelings. Listen, if you want to be an artist, just do it. Don't wait for anybody's permission. Give yourself the permission. Oh, and if any of you know a good barbecue spot in L.A., let us just know in the comments. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks for listening. And special thanks to Ngozi Anyawu. She's Gauze Face on Instagram. That's G-O-Z-E-F-A-C-E on Insta if you want to leave her a note too. Leave us a rating, review, or comment. We'd love to hear from you. And you can follow us too on Instagram at LiveJoyWell. And remember, love joy, be joy, live joy well.